Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And we're so excited that you're joining us today because we're starting a brand new series. And uh, I'm super excited about this because it happens to apply to I am too. my own personal story. And you know, Aubrey, to be honest right. with you, when we started the Nothing is Wasted podcast, we weren't really sure how it was going to re- evolve and what was going to happen. Um, I knew that I had a few different people that I wanted to talk to who were widows and yeah. uh, uh, widowers because that's that's my story. And I kind of thought that that's probably what we would do is help people in that particular area of grief. And then it has just evolved into a lot of different pain points. This is the first time we're doing a series specifically on widowhood. Can you believe that? No, I'm actually really surprised by that. Yeah, th- it surprises me that this is the very first time this, especially just because of your story too. Yeah. And this is such a pain point for so many people. So I'm so glad we are going for this. Yeah, we've realized over the past few years just how many uh, widows and, and widowers that we encounter. And just, you know, again, the lack of resources that are there, the lack of community that is there. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so we thought, man, it'd be really great to compile a list of interviews and some resources. One, if you're listening to this and that's not your story, this is a great resource to share to someone, you know, in your life who, you know, has walked through something like this. I can't tell you how many times people reach out to me and say, Hey, how can I help this person? They just lost their spouse. This is a great Mm. thing to help them with. I mean, this entire series, and that's one of the reasons we do these series. The, the other thing is this, and we hear this over and over and over, uh, Aubrey, we, we hear that when people, Listen to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. They relate to what the person, uh, not to what the person is going through, but the principles that that person extracts from their situation, they right. can apply those right. to their own life, even if they're not going through that. I can't say how many times I've heard, man, I, I, I'm listening to these episodes and I've not gone through what they've gone through, but mm-hmm. I'm learning so much from this. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really... Um, cool thing that God is doing through the Nothing Is Wasted podcast that, you know, this may not be your particular pain story. Mm-hmm. You may not be a widow or a widower, but the lessons that are learned, I and mean, we all know pain is a wise teacher. The right. lessons that are learned in grief are applicable to all of us and then help us, I think, be more compassionate to That's those it. that we're walking through who are hurting. Yep. And so I love that we're equipping our listeners in that way. And listeners, I think you are going to love this particular conversation. Mm-hmm. This is with Ron Hutchcraft. Yeah. He's a ministry leader. He's a radio broadcaster, speaker, founder, president of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries and On Eagles Wings Native American Youth Outreach. He's the author of a book called Hope When Your Heart is Breaking, Finding God's Presence in Your Pain, which is very nothing is wasted. Yeah, absolutely. And um, has a lot of wisdom that he shares with Davey and shares with us yeah. as well. So you're going to be really, really blessed by Davey's conversation. Hey, Davey, before we um, dive into it, can I read a review? Yeah, would love from that. Apple Podcast? Okay. All right. This is a short one, but it's an encouraging one. It's called Awesome Podcast. As a pastor's wife, mom, ministry leader, and Christ follower, this podcast encourages me so much. I am so thankful for this resource and ministry that helps me in my daily walk with the Lord. And that's Mm. what we were just talking about. Like there are lessons that can be learned to help all of us in our daily walk with God. Yeah. I like to think of this as like a discipleship podcast, right? Like this is spiritual formation. Mm, That's good. This is not just a podcast about pain and grief, although it is. It just happens to be kind of the entry into you know, our sanctification and our, and our, uh, a, a new level of spiritual formation. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to help you as you found yourself in the middle of the Valley, just how do you walk with the Lord in, in this? And then how do you walk with the Lord beyond yeah. this? You know, once you move through your Valley, how do you continue to grow mm-hmm. in your relationship with Christ now that you have access to, I guess, some of these richer insights, uh, from, from the pain that you've walked yeah. through? So yeah, we're super excited about this series, super excited about this guest. So why don't you go ahead and take Mm -hmm. a listen to my conversation with Ron Hutchcraft. Ron, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Well, you know what? I've been looking forward to this and 
even the title of your podcast, Davey, I, I'll explain that momentarily, yeah. but you'll know why it is, um, shall we say, uh, destiny that we talk to each other, divine destiny. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as I was reading up on some more of your story and um, I, I was growing increasingly excited about this conversation, um, partially because we have a very similar journey, but we also have a very different journey and kind of some yeah. of the timing of our, our journey and our loss. But, you know, we, we talk about a lot when I talk to widowers that we have all stepped into a club that nobody wanted to pay the membership dues for. And I know that you referenced the book that you have just uh, written and released, that this was the book you never wanted to write. And um, I can completely understand that. And yet here we are. And uh, I know that this conversation is going to be so richly impactful for so many people as they're listening to just your years of faithfulness and and your perspective from kind of the the side of life that you're on right now. I'm so excited for them to hear from you. Is years of faithfulness a synonym for old? <laughs> Maybe cloaked a little bit. <laughs> Very nice way to say it. <laughs> well, you know, Proverbs talks about how how gray hair means wisdom, not age. It's wisdom, right? This is there it's yeah. the positive oh, right. spin right. on all of it. But the truth is, is that, you know, the, the older that I get, the more I want to hear from people who have walked life and who have journeyed yeah. the ups and downs. And I want to hear, okay, what are the pitfalls that I'm going to run into? And how can I walk faithfully in the same way that other people have? So I'm super excited about this. Ron, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, just your, your life right now, and then let's jump back from there and let's talk a little bit about your story of loss. Sure. I, uh, uh, the last Four and a half, almost five years now, of course, have been have revolutionized my life because um, I grew up, uh, just real quickly, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a family where I never heard about Jesus until my baby brother died. My dad didn't go to church, but he took me there. He thought, for some reason, the one boy he had left ought to go to church. And um, that's where I found Jesus, and eventually my dad and my mom did. I got a brand new mommy, I got a brand new daddy, uh, and that part was awesome. Um, so I know what lost is, and I, I know what found is, I saw it dramatically in my parents. Uh, and um, I am, today, you ask what I'm doing today, basically it's what I've done my whole life, which is to, um, at least my whole adult life, is to try in a, in a contemporary, understandable, uh, non-religious way, explain to people the difference that this man Jesus can make in their life to do things, to go places in your heart that only he can go, to make changes that you never could and you would have if you could have, but he can make those changes, to make the unbearable bearable, um, to make the undoable doable. Uh, he's an amazing Jesus. I've been on every continent except for Antarctica because I don't think, I don't know Penguins have souls. I don't think they do, but uh, every kind of but that one, and had the privilege to talk about this and and um, uh, a lot of our. Uh, I've always done cross cultural youth ministry my whole life. Um, you know, I've worked with Harlem kids and Chinatown kids and rich white kids and poor white kids. But some years ago, I went to a reservation and discovered the only kids I've ever met with no dreams. They're Native American kids. Wow. And. Um, for the past 29 years, we have been very involved. We've been on about 100 reservations. My wife co-founded everything I've ever done. She was a great leader. And uh, in fact, there was some discussion when we were married. Um, I know that I did it for love. Some thought she did it for pity. Uh, and <laughs> so I have to tell you, can I tell you a little bit about Karen? I would love to hear about her. That goes the rest of the podcast. No, 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 no. I'll keep it short. Um, she was a girl from farm girl from the Ozarks, grew up without running water and electricity. And I'm a Chicago boy, city boy. And uh, we met in we met in college in Chicago. And um, she did not. She was a little slow in realizing how awesome I was. Um, and. Yeah, you should laugh. I, well, I and, can resonate with that. I feel like you know, I mean, both both my late wife and and my wife now. I feel like that was the case for them. You know, they just they drug their feet, and I had to keep pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. I you know, know. <laughs> and I was dating everybody else, and so I just then 
showed up all the places she was. I think today we call that stalking. Uh, <laughs> and I think I was stalking her. And um, But thankfully I won. <laughs> and God gave her to me. And uh, I'll just tell you this. She uh, was a force of love. She was a tremendous leader. She was a riot. She was. She had a laugh that you picked up on seismographs. Uh, and um, if you want to be happy, marry a crazy woman, and I did. Totally unpredictable. All the years we were married, you never knew what to predict. On the other hand, she was. She had a deep, profound uh, love affair with Jesus going on all the time, and uh, she was my mirror, who told me what I looked like really inside. She was my compass, who helped me know when I was drifting a little bit. And she was my best friend. And uh, she was the love and the passion of my life. And, um, uh, and I would have to say, I think what would measure the impact of her life is that when she went, went home to be with Jesus, I got hundreds of tributes to her. Mm-hmm. And they all had a similar theme, and it would go like this, she made me feel. And she did. She and it would come special, loved, safe, like I, it's life. I should go on living. I mean, she'd stay up all night on Facebook to save a life, or to 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 change a life. Um, so um, now I take you to May fifteenth, two thousand sixteen. Great day, great day, because our our oldest grandchild was graduating from high school. He was valedictorian. And uh, he gave a wonderful Christ-honoring talk to a stadium full of people. I had to leave at the end of it because I had guys driving me through the night to get to another state. And um, so I said, I love you, honey. We're still in the bleachers. And she said, I love you. But then, Davy, she got uh, uncharacteristically teary. We've had a thousand goodbyes that, you know, I've traveled a lot. And I said, what's going on? And she said, I'm really going to miss you. And I said, oh, don't worry, honey, it won't be long. I couldn't have been more wrong. Wow. Next afternoon, I got a call from my youngest son. He said, Mom's gone. It was sudden. She'd been the love of my life since I was 19. Wow. Davey, you'll understand there's only one person who's done your whole life with you, who, you know, we've had the same battles we've had the same things we've prayed for we've had we knew the same people you know and 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 i love telling her things it's not for me an experience wasn't complete till i could tell karen about it now there's nobody to tell oh there's people to tell but not somebody who gets me (laughs) my whole life and uh so that was the beginning of my journey that we'll talk about today but i um, I felt like a lost little boy. Mm-hmm. I've walked with a lot of people through the valley of the shadow of death. And <clears throat> I've lost parents and, you know, things like that. But this is, this is, they're not the other half of me. Yeah. Um, and uh, the loss was incalculable. I literally didn't know what to do 10 minutes from now if I got up off the couch. <clears throat> um, I would always come in to our, what we call our great room. It's a large living room. And and she would be over there in that blue chair, that blue recliner. And I'd see her crown of glory, which is her was her hair. And uh, I'd see that great crown of glory. And, and uh, I was home. But when I got home on May 16th, there was no crown of glory. The chair was there, but the blue chair was empty. I think I could summarize pretty much the strange two things I felt with a blog I wrote afterwards, my shattered heart, my certain hope. Mm. Somehow they coexisted, wow. but both were very real. Yeah. You know, to that end, we, we, we discussed that kind of a paradox a lot on the podcast where we talk about holding the tension between, you know, loss and hope and how sometimes prior prior to you walking through a difficult valley you don't think that you can you you almost see life as either or and then when you walk through something difficult that doesn't make sense and yet still has meaning (laughs) 
right? It you 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 begin to realize that this life has this paradox. Walking with Jesus is living in the tension of these two things where we have heartache and at the same time we have hope. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit for me as you were wrestling through that? Just that tension? Well, you know, Paul talked about it in the Bible when he was talking to a group of people who had lost loved ones. And he said, we do not grieve. Now, if it stopped there, mm. I close my Bible and I might never open it again. I'd right. say, that is a lie. Right. This hurts like nothing has ever hurt before. But he went on to say, we do not grieve as others who have no hope. Mm. The difference is simply if without the Jesus factor, if you got a scale, it's all grief. That's it all is weighed down on one side. With Jesus, there's this thing called hope on the other side that he is called in the Bible our living hope because of his resurrection from the dead. This is not hope the idea. This is not positive vibes. Uh, this isn't a good feeling. Uh, this isn't a religion. This is this is a, a death-crushing Savior. There's billions of people who've walked this planet. Only one walked out of his grave under his own power. So now let me tell you, does that hope on the other side erase the grief? Uh-uh. It absolutely does not. It is stronger than the grief, mm. but the grief is strong. Right. And so several days in, I started sitting there literally saying, Lord, I am lost. I don't know what to do next. I found an old journal of hers that she really hadn't used, and I started a, 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 I call it a grief journal now. I never dreamed I'd have one. And there's a few pages in, but you, if you go a few pages in, you'll see one page, and at the top, you'll see in bold letters something that I was not coherent enough to think. It had to come from God. Mm. But this is the turning point. I will not waste this grief. Now you know yep. why the name of your podcast really struck deep in my heart. Mm. I will not waste this grief. And then I, there was a prayer, Lord, if it's going to hurt this bad, yep. would you please use it somehow to make me more useful to you and more help to other people? Wow. I had no idea how that could be answered the way I was feeling. Um, I made a decision, Davey, that, um, you know, being a Christian leader and on the radio and all that stuff, you know, you're being, you don't get to do this privately. Right. And I made a, I made a decision that I wasn't just going to give the Christian talking points. Uh, Karen's in heaven. Hallelujah. And I'm doing fine. Hallelujah. Karen's in heaven. But the best day of her life was the worst day of mine. She was in heaven. Hallelujah. I wasn't. Her kids weren't. Her nine grandchildren weren't. And for all of us, it was life without this life force. Yeah. Karen. And uh, so I will not waste this grief. And now I can say, almost five years later, God heard that cry of my heart. And I had no, I had no idea how real Jesus could be. I, I've served him my whole life. He hasn't been unreal. Yeah. But something happens when there is a, when there is a, 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 a heart-rending loss. And that is your heart is wide open. I mean open in places it's never been open before. Right. And what happens at that point, what you allow in, what you invite in at that point, will decide in many ways the rest of your life because there is no, I don't know there's any emotion more powerful than grief. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, I didn't know where to turn except to Jesus. And I just said, Jesus, I don't know how to feel. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do 10 minutes from now. Do what you do. <laughs> do what you do. Yeah. I mean, when Peter was drowning, remember after he'd been walking on water, he could only say three words, Lord, save me. It was no big theological prayer, like, help. 
And that was me. It was like help. And um, and he began to move in to places in my heart that I didn't even know I had places. And he really heard that heart cry. Um, Lord, I don't, just do what you do. And um, the last five years have been uh, me experiencing Jesus, not just with my left brain, which guys do. We're left brainers, right? <laughs> I got a right brain, Jesus, now, mm. um, who I feel deeply. I used to be really busy. Off, I, whenever, I shouldn't say whenever, but most of the times that there was somebody really hurting and they were going through a grieving time, I'd look at my, my legal pad and go, I got such a busy day today. Mm. I got so much to do. I got a lot of people I got to deal with. Not now. Yeah. Not now. It's different now. Now the list gets put down. Mm. And I've got to I've got to be in touch with that. I've got to if I possibly can. Um something's happened in my heart that um has helped me feel my Jesus and feel the heart of people who are hurting, not just from the from a death. There's a lot of grief times we do in our life. We tend to think it's all about when people die. When your marriage is dying, you're grieving. When your health is dying, you're grieving. You go into the doctor's office, you're fine, you come out with a, like, what just happened to me? Um, the stuff that happened in your past, you know, that you've never dealt with, the, the abuse, the, 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 the abandonment, uh, the, the wounds that have never been dealt with. Uh, it may be you're, you've been grieving, re-grieving that constantly. Um, your, your, um, your dream has died, whatever your, your, your dream was. Uh, you're not going to have children. You're not going to be married, it looks like. Um, you're uh, uh, you're not going to get well. You're not going to get healthier. When your dream dies, um, that career you thought you were going to have, you're not. Whatever, all these start the grief process. And let me just say this: at that point, it is not what you lost that will determine the next, the rest of your life. It will be the choices you make as a result of that loss. Right. I had no choice about Karen dying, obviously. But I did have a choice as to whether I was going to make the do the things that would lead to hope and healing and even hope for other people, or whether I would whether I would make the choices that would lead to more hurt, more grief, which by the way are the easier ones to make the more costly to me. Hearing these stories of pain, healing, and purpose often stirs up feelings inside all of us that propel us to want to address our own pain. I personally love hearing from faithful followers of Jesus who have gone before me in their healing. It's inspiring, but it's difficult to know where to start in your own healing. As a ministry, we offer so many ways to help you progress on your pain journey, and one of them is through our partnership with Faithful Counseling. We know how hard it can be sometimes to find a Christian counselor that is close to you, which is why Faithful Counseling is online and worldwide, so you can receive virtual counseling wherever you are with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. In 24 hours or less, you can be matched with a counselor who you connect with at any time from your computer, tablet, or mobile phone. Whether you want to talk through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging, they work with you however you are most comfortable, including making sure your counselor is a good fit for your needs. If you start with one and they aren't a good match, you can switch at any time. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for when you sign up. 
To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted and sign up with that link to receive 10% off your first month of counseling just for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. Now, back to our interview. A large majority of our listeners are... Um, they're, they're women. And one of the things as we've studied through this, we've, we attributed to the fact that there are a lot of men who don't want to talk about pain. They don't want to talk about their own pain. They don't want to dive into the depths of it. It's a lot easier to approach it with a more, uh, a strong posterior, uh, projection. And yet what's interesting is back in October, I was, um, helping to lead a widower retreat for 15 widowers. And the first night we went around and had everybody share their story for most of these men, even if they had been removed from their loss for months and months and months, this night was the first night they shared their story out loud. And there was unbelievable breakthrough that took place. I mean, you're talking about Ron, we sat there for about six hours, nobody getting tired, no fatigue setting in, everybody locked into each person's story for the first time, beginning to delve into these deep, um, anguishing emotions. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about, I'd say all that to set up. Can you, can you talk to me about how that journey was for you as you were diving into these deep emotions? What did you discover about going, going through the Valley as opposed to trying to avoid it as opposed to trying to not feel these things? I had, the advantage, I guess you might say, of a lifetime of walking through a lot of hurt with people, a lot of losses with people just because of what I do. And I learned that you can, to, to bury grief, to, to make it go in instead of letting it come out, It owns you inside. Yeah. You don't know that. It'll become, it'll morph. It'll morph into anger, depression, sometimes suicidal thoughts, um, all kinds of despair. You won't, you won't be able to trace it back to this ungrieved grief. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted, but you don't get the comfort till you own the loss and own the deep feelings from a major loss. So you don't get the blessed star, those who mourn. mourn. Um, And so to, to, um, I mean, the first thing I tell people is to, is to, this sounds so silly, simple, grieve your grief. But for guys, we got to be strong. We've got this whole myth that to weep is to be weak. To grieve is to be unmanly. And all we are doing is burying a ticking time bomb. And when it goes off, it will blow, and it'll blow high and and maybe very destructively. Mm. And Jesus said, that's why he said, blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. Not blessed are those who bury it, who comfort. He said, they will be comforted. They're the ones that are going to experience the comfort that only comes from letting it out. Right. And so I think... First, I let it out in this grief journal. That's interesting. That wasn't—I know it wasn't another person. Yep. But this little white book that was my wife's, un, unused, um, is the record of my journey. And I was in the raw in that thing, man. I mean, I was grieving my grief. And I think about my Savior, who. There was no more model of man, greater man, model of manhood than the inventor of manhood, yeah. Jesus. And he stands at Lazarus' tomb knowing he's going to raise him from the dead, but still feeling the feelings 
of the people around him and his own loss and that he hadn't been there before Lazarus died, even though he's going to do a greater thing. And what's the shortest verse in the Bible? My favorite memory verse. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He, here he cries, this rugged carpenter, no power tools. I mean, he's, he's weeping at this tomb openly with this crowd of people. When he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to deal with the fact he's going to be carrying the hell of, a, of billions of people in his soul on the cross, he's melting down. I mean, you read the verbs there and read them in the original Greek language of the Bible. He is falling apart. I would want to go alone to a garden knowing what I was going to be going through. I wouldn't want to take the three closest guys to me. I don't want them to see me like that. He chooses to take them to the garden with them where he's going to fall apart. And I think he knows he is. So this is a Jesus. This is the manliest man who ever lived. And when he's hurting, he externalizes it. He doesn't internalize it. That's got to be my model. And so um, then my, my grief, first of all, started to appear in that that grief journal and then I could begin to express it in certain parts of it to my kids finding out they were all grieving each one differently because grief is so individual and then I could begin to talk to some friends about it and and instead of burying it where it would become a toxic waste dump giving off this radiation in every part of my life Ungrieved grief is a monster. You know that, Stevie. Right. It is a monster. Right. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Not wrecked are those who mourn. He says, blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted in the process of letting it go. Yeah. And we guys are so guarded by emotions like that. And, and we are sentencing ourselves to inner torture for years to come that will affect people we love who've done nothing bad to us. But we're, it, this this hurt is going to come out in a different way. We'll hurt them yeah. who don't deserve it. Yeah, that's just so good, man. So true, so true. You know, one of the things that I heard as you were talking about Kieran and you, you used some metaphors of her relationship to you. And, you know, you said she was my mirror. She was my compass. Um, she was my best friend. These are all very, very much tied to tethered to your identity, you know, and and that's one of the things about marriage is that you become two, become one, you become one flesh. And then when, when you lose your spouse, then it, there's this severing that happens that you feel like you're, I, I would describe it as we became one. And then I felt like a half and I didn't know who I was in a lot of ways. It, there was an identity crisis that I was going through. And so I imagine, especially you guys were married for over 50 years. Is that correct? Yeah. I can only Ever imagine was, the identity I was crisis. Married, I was married at the age of six. <laughs> You're not going to believe that. Uh, well, no. first of all, I mean, 50. No, seriously, we, we, I mean, it was a bond that was yeah. uh, incredible. Well, 50 years of marriage plus is rare in and of itself these days, unfortunately. It's so sad that that's the case. And so I can, I can only imagine how tightly knit the two of your lives were together, right? It's the whole, the whole idea of the, the leave, cleave, and weave. Your whole life was being woven together, and now she's gone, and you're wrestling with, in this new season of your life, who am I, I, ha- I have to imagine? What, what, did God, uh, what kind of a journey did God take you on? How did he meet you in some of those identity crises? And I imagine some of it came out in this journal. You know, one of the things I love about like C.S. Lewis's journal that he wrote, A Grief Observed. It was like, it felt like this identity journey for him. And I can, I can imagine that was probably the case for you as well. It's really important to, I think, to journal, to write, even though if you're not a writer, um, to ex- it's, a, it's the first step in externalizing rather than internalizing the deepest wound of your life. Um, I think um, the... How can I put this? Um, the, all the things that Karen was for me, compass, <laughs> helping me know when I was getting lost, mm-hmm. you know, I could go on with imagery. Now I, 
if I could come to grips with the fact that God had decided, the God who numbered all the days of her life before her life began, according to the Bible, had decided that what she had been for me, he could be for me now. That was hard for me to swallow. I, 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 it was very hard to swallow. Yeah. But what um, I found myself, and I find my kids doing the same, our kids doing the same thing, um, is now processing life as she taught us to without her being here. Uh, I mean, that's how we all grew up. I mean, for a while we had a parent helping us with everything, walking, talking, you know. Um, and then we got to the point where we could do it without them. I, If you'd have told me I was going to do it without Karen, I'd have said that's not possible. But I think we find that her voice, not in a mystical way, I mean, what what how she taught us to think, God said, it's time now that you graduate, just like a kid who's always had to have his parent hold their hand walking. It's time for you to walk with just me now, with just me, your Savior. Right. And I was amazed at, now I will tell you this, I blasted praise music a lot. I really needed to just have a sense of the presence of Jesus all the time. I mean, whenever I could, I just saturated myself with the music and 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 the reading and the and the word of God that would give me a strong sense of His presence. And and I began. Uh, you begin to say things that she said, except she's not. She normally would have had to say them. Now, I'm saying them, and they've become mine now. It's not secondhand. It is truly firsthand. And I realized that God had used her, and I hope he used me in her life the same way. Uh, we'd have to ask her that in heaven. But um, that ways that she thought, ways that she approached life, her practicality, um, her honesty, um, I had become that without even knowing it. Um, and now it was, not, it was not a secondhand. It became firsthand me. Uh, does that make any yep. sense? Yep. And and so uh, and and our kids be have begun to discover that that the very same thing has happened, and we're saying what she would have said, yeah. and we're um, we're stronger because of that. Um, we're not depending on her for that. It's a painful amputation. It's a it's a horrible amputation, and. I would say that the sense of her missingness, her loss, is like a um, a tune, a, a minor key tune, playing underneath all the time. Mm. Now, in the period right after we lost her, it was blaring. Right. I couldn't hear any major key music. Well, very seldom. Right. But now it still plays. It's still there. Karen's not here. The loss, I'm reminded of it constantly by, oh, I want to ask, oh, um, uh, hot, th that recliner she was in is empty, you know, all the time. So... Uh, but but there 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 is a there is a um, a sense now that it plays all the time. Mm. But there is this major key now that has occurred from what I've learned from her loss that has allowed Jesus to become for me perhaps things that I was leaning on her to be. Yeah. And now now every once in a while this lower key thing. Will turn up real loud, some memory, some reminder, you know. But now, most of the time, it's major key. With that knowing that underneath, I and you know what, um, uh, one great Christian scholar said. 
Don't expect the hole in your heart to go away. Yeah. Bonhoeffer said this. He said, don't expect that hole in your heart. God's going to leave it there. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the person you love lives in your heart. Mm-hmm. And all that they were to you lives there. <clears throat> but <clears throat> what he will do is he will envelop it with new music, new experiences. And I am a man, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, much of what I am today is because of the woman I married. Yeah. But much of what I've become now is actually because she's not here and the seeds that she planted have a chance to become me not her. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. I know well, it I've makes never... perfect sense to me <laughs> because I've, you know, I've been there, uh, in my own journey in the same way yeah. of realizing some new, some newness to your personhood. I mean, when, when you experience a death in your life, you die as well. And yet I'm reminded of the, 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 what Jesus said when he said, unless a single uh, seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. And so there's something about death, just the, 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 the circumstance of death that ends up spawning new life. And it spawns it inside of you as well in your identity. You begin to become, um, the, the growth, the outgrowth of the seeds that your loved one planted in you. And, and it gives you new qualifications mm-hmm. to be of help to other Hurting people. That's right. That's right. We call it street cred. That's what I told. Exactly. That's why I told these uh, widowers at this retreat. I said, "Guys, you guys now have street cred because you've probably heard the old adage: don't don't trust a leader that doesn't walk with a limp." Now you walk with a well, limp. His name is Jesus. Mm. Nail prints in his hands and feet. That's that's the only thing he took to heaven with him. Right from earth was the nail prints and the wound in his side. Right. Wow. We'll know him when we see him, because we'll look for the one with the nail prints. That's so good. And he 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 suffered, and we and I find myself now, um, instead of being so busy, I really can't stop. I I feel compelled to. I want to stop mm-hmm. for the person who's experiencing a, a great loss, yep. and I'm of more value now, not because I'm valuable. But I have more to give yep. because of what I've lost. Isn't that the irony of ironies? You know, when you lose, you actually feel empty. Yeah, you have you less, You feel like right? you have less to eat, right? You're like, I feel completely gutted. And yet, out of that, I have more to give, you know? But see, that's what, when God became a man in Jesus, mm. what does the Bible tell us about that? Mm. That he be, he became able to identify with uh, at, a, at, at, a, at a gut level right. with our suffering. Right. And uh, he, uh, so I can say to Jesus at the de- greatest level of hurt and pain, you get me, mm-hmm. don't you? Nobody else in the world could I say that to. Yep. You know, Ron, you mentioned this, uh, you said this phrase, what I've learned from the loss you know, we, we talk a lot about the, the classroom of pain, you know, that if we lean in and we listen to Jesus during this pain, Isaiah 30 calls him the teacher that he will whisper to us. This is the way walk in it. And he will teach us things in this classroom of pain. What are some of the major things that you feel like that God has really been teaching you through this, this classroom of pain, so to speak? I know we've already touched on one of those that you have this now, this increased capacity of for empathy and influence in other people's uh, yeah. pain journey as well, or their journey in general. But what are some other you know things that you've learned in this classroom of pain? Well, of course, as I said, that that right side of my brain and my heart, you might say, has opened up. And I think I am, because of what I never would have chosen, <clears throat> I think I have more value to other people mm. because... I don't just sympathize. Now I empathize. Yep. And the loss might might be medical, the loss might be financial, the loss might be career, the loss might be a dream, you know, like I said, there's many medical, whatever it is. But 
I think that that is critical. You know, um, the fact that I can walk with people through losses that I, in a way, I never could before. I have much more to give, much more to give. Um, and I found that, you know, when you f least feel like reaching out to other people, it's probably is when you need to do it. That, wow. uh, yeah. you know, the there's, um, it, it, Proverbs says, he that refreshes others hmm. will himself be refreshed. It's crazy. It's like, and when you are mourning a loss, whatever that, in whatever area of your life, you're like, I don't feel like it. Yeah, well, that's when you need to reach out. I found, you know, uh, the one who was able to help me the most in the in the right, the shocking time of mourning was my good friend who had lost his wife through agony over months five years before. Mm. He He's the one to call. He was the first one to call. Yeah. And he had done the journey. And what I learned from watching him is that in a way you never would choose, you're becoming qualified to be of more help in a broken world than you've ever been before. If, if you make the Jesus choices to and how to handle it, yeah. you can also become more of a hard-hearted person right. as a result. You're either going to turn soft, softer inside or harder inside. Yeah. You will never be the same from any major life loss. Um, so um, it has been, now when I look at what I have gained because of the greatest loss of my life, oh, how I would love to do the rest of my life with Karen. But I wouldn't trade the gains. Wow. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I would never want to lose the gains. And there was no other way to get them except to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and have no one but Jesus. And I can say with all my heart, the anchor holds. Yeah. No matter what the storm, no matter how fierce it is. Yeah. And I can prove it because of what's happened to me. Yeah. And so I am probably of more value now in a hurting world than I've ever been, not because of me. Yeah. But because, and look, even the Son of God came here and entered into our suffering that in a way, at least from our perspective, has qualified him to be a savior to us in our darkest hours, right. even the Son of God yeah. through his suffering. Yeah, one of, the, one of the most fascinating stories to me in the Gospels is Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 but we, we often gloss over what he was trying to do before the crowds caught up to him. He was trying to get away to grieve. He <laughs> yeah. was grieving the loss of his cut. He just heard the news of John the Baptist being beheaded yeah. and he's trying to get away from the crowd and they run to catch up to him. And he performs the greatest that we know of at least public from a volume standpoint, the greatest miracle that's recorded in the gospels where he feeds the 5,000 and scholars believe it's probably 20,000 people when you include women and children. And it was all out of this like deep place of anguish and brokenness that he was able to, to do that. And I, I think that's exactly what you're saying here is that we are becoming a blessing to the world as we are willing to step into um, those broken spaces as we're willing to, to let the Lord do his work in our heart and our brokenness, now we're able to live that out as a blessing to other people. But if you have left it as an untreated wound mm -hmm. inside you, it will harden you. Yeah. It won't make you it won't make you more, it will not make you part of the answer in a broken world. That's right. It will make you part of the problem. You'll be another hard heart. Or a self-centered, it's all about me, I'm, I'm hurting. And so, you know, I talk about um, defiant hope, which sounds like a strange... I'm so glad you just brought... I was literally about to ask you this, because, you know, you just released really? this book, and, it, you know, it's called Hope When Your Heart is Breaking, and that's one of the key 
phrases that you use, defiant hope. It was such an intriguing phrase to me when I saw that. I was like, wow, I like the sound of that, but I'd love for you to unpack it a little bit. Well, it involves some choices. It says, I'm going to lay up this. I want this to make me better, not bitter. And mm. I want it to make me more tenderhearted, not more t- hardhearted. Um, it is, it is um, the picture for me, uh, I was in the New York area when, when um, September 11th happened. I was still living in the New York area. And uh, that, um, there is a picture that we all remember that, is, that epitomizes that day that is three firefighters raising a flag. I, I, anybody listening can picture it right now. It's the iconic, almost a picture for a generation. This is 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They know that there aren't going to be many survivors at this point. Most hope has been crushed. There's another one of the buildings in that complex about to fall. These guys find a flag, these three firefighters, and, and raise it on that pile of rubble. There was nothing around them to give them hope. This is defiant hope that raises a flag over a pile of rubble. And that's what I had on that May Day, five years ago, almost, that there was that that the flag of hope was to say, Jesus can do something with this that only He can do. Right. And um, and in, and instead of giving up, you open up, and instead of burying, you expose. You get it out there. Blessed are those who mourn, yeah. Jesus said. Let it happen, for they shall be comforted. But you've got to open up that space yeah. for the comfort to come in. And that, at the point where I was doing that and being Ron in the raw mm-hmm. emotionally, Jesus came rushing in came flooding in. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. And I got resources to give hurting people now. I say things I didn't even know I knew. (laughs) You know, sometimes we don't want to, you go to a funeral and you're like, I don't even know if I want to get in that line because I don't know what to say. Uh, And probably what to say isn't to say hardly anything. Uh, You know, it's to hug and hold and listen to them tell their stories of of that person uh, and their grief. Um, So I I have become qualified by the worst thing that ever happened to me to be of help to other people who are experiencing the worst things that ever have happened to them. And that when you can add meaning to your grief and a mission now in a broken, wounded, weeping world, all of a sudden, what's the Bible say? That your mourning will turn to dancing? Well, I'm not much of a dancer, but (laughs) I understand that when you open up that grief to this Jesus, who grieved on a level over the sin of this world in a way that none of us have ever grieved. So he gets our grief. He gets us at our bottom, right at the bottom of our emotions. Uh, When you open up to him, you can become a wounded healer. You're wounded, but you can now become that person who is there in the most broken moments of someone's life, and suddenly your loss has meaning, it has purpose, and you say, now I know why I'm still here. Yeah. And I understand that there was probably no other way I could have become this man but to become this man unthinkably right. without my caring. Wow. Wow. Well, Rana. You know, it's absolutely true. I can see it's evident in you. And I, and I just, I know that you've spent years in Christian work and Christian ministry, and there's tons of, you know, impacting thousands and thousands of people, but the impact that you're going to have and that you are having right now in the wake of your hurt is going to be unprecedented. 
you know, the, the years of in the past will pale in comparison to the impact that you're having right now. So I just thank you so much for spending some time with us and, and sharing with us your story and what God has taught you through that. I know it's encouraging so many people who are listening to this right now. And um, I want to make sure everybody goes and picks up your book, uh, Hope When Your Heart Is Hurting. It released this past January, and um, I know I'm excited to get my hands on it. Um, just being able to get a little bit of a tease from you know, from you personally right now. So I just, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Well, thank you. You know, uh, there's a, there's a great statement that says, um, speaking of Jesus, that um, there is this wonderful statement in the book of Hebrews. It says, we have this hope, speaking of Jesus, as an anchor for the soul. That's right. Firm and secure. And I would say to anyone listening right now, there is no storm that can shake this anchor. Yep. And you do not have to sink if you will go to the one who conquered death and will bring to you an ability to be unsinkable in the worst of storms, but pour out your heart to him and don't guard your heart. Don't guard it. Grieve your grief with the one who the Bible calls our man of sorrows. And you will become a greater help to more people than you've ever been in your life. That's right. Let the grief happen so the miracle can happen. So good. So good. Thank you, Ron. Oh, Davey, that was such a powerful conversation we've had with yeah. Ron. I appreciate his heart so much and him yeah. mm -hmm. I, just sharing his story with us. I think what's what I'm picking up on, and this is the first of five uh, episodes that we right. have in the the Widowhood series, something that he mentioned and something that our listeners will pick up as they go is there does seem to be this theme of... Um, when you're in grief, there seems to be a moment or a season or even, I mean, even literally like a like an hour when you're really asked to surrender your grief to God and to yeah. trust God's sovereignty over all of it. Right. And I do think it's sort of a, a question between will this thing control me for the rest of my life and move yeah. me towards this bitterness and darkness, or will it be certainly a thing that defines yeah. me, but... I will somehow surrender to God and find God's goodness in it. Right. And right. that that I I do think it seems like the that piece of surrender yeah. is part of the healing process and part of what then allows you to go ahead and minister to other people. I don't know, Davey, you've obviously yeah. walked this journey. What do you think about that? Well, I absolutely 100% agree with that. I mean, I think that you you really zeroed in on this uh, this idea and word control because mm. I think what we find in grief and really is just we walk life as human beings that are fallen in this really decrepit world is that we want to control the process. Right. And, right. you know, I don't know about you, but I can feel a visceral reaction when my spirit finally just lets go. Totally. Like there's just something that just, it releases, you know, and yeah, yeah. And and it just feels so healing to let go. And I, I think what's mm -hmm. interesting is that as we try to control things, it's that that actually controls us. Interesting. But as yeah. we let go of that control, as we let go, as we do finally just surrender and say, God, I don't, I don't know what you have in store for this. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't have any of my questions answered. I don't really know how I'm going to move forward, but I am going to surrender to your process, to this pathway, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. what you have in mind for me. And I'm going to surrender to, to you and, and yeah. let you just move me forward. Uh, there's right. some, there's so much peace with that. And I can, that's what I was just certainly, thinking. Peace. Yes. Mm -hmm, I can certainly relate to multiple experiences where I found myself trying to grab control again and accompanying mm -hmm. that as bitterness and accompanying that as, you know, um, is all of the different things that you feel, even the, the, the bargaining and the like, you know, yeah. the, the, the frustration, anger, the, you know, the, the, um, denial about certain things. I think, 
Mm. That all just accompanies this idea of like, I'm trying to control this. I I appreciate that you just said that that you had to come up against that several times because I you multiple times. Right. That that this is an ongoing journey of surrender. It's not like you have that yeah. one powerful moment with God, you're surrendered, you're done. <laughs> but there's mo- a- as the Holy Spirit kind of says, "Oh, there's that thing you're controlling yeah. again." Yeah. Your soul kind of goes, "Oh, okay. Oh, I got to let go." But you're right. right that there's so much peace and so much right. freedom in that. Davy, I don't I don't want to interview, but I actually do have another question for yeah, you about this. Absolutely. <laughs> um <laughs> it, it, it almost feels appropriate, doesn't it, right? It's like Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're sort of our our You're uh, almost uh, you're listening to this and you're going, "Did you have the same experience? Like, did this feel you know, <laughs> right. you're bouncing up against me." I know. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm going to ask you this. I hope it's okay. T- totally. But I know that, you know, Ron a lot of Ron's experience was grieving specifically just as a man and losing a lot of his identity even yeah. in his his manhood. And I I I don't think I don't think anyone of us would say across the board, like grief is always like this for Mm. men or always like this for women. All of us are different, but I wondered if you connected to any of that, that loss of identity in widowhood. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I describe it sometimes like, you know, you, you have the, the two become one and then one feels Mm -hmm. like you've been split in half. And so now you're half Mm. of what you were. And so you now are trying to figure out who you are again. Oh, Oh, outside of your spouse. And, um, wow. and obviously that is, uh, continually more difficult the longer you've been married and the longer you have built an identity as one with somebody else. And so uh, absolutely. And, you know, I think that when it comes to losing my identity as a man, I would almost frame it a different way. I would say, I feel like that I, uh, experienced some things that, I probably wouldn't have otherwise experienced playing a different role, especially in my, in my son's life, you know, interesting. having to yeah. almost feel like I had to play a mom role, a, a role that I wasn't built or equipped to play. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there are certain things that I, I learned and discovered about just the nurturing I guess, nature mm-hmm. of, of God and the, the, a different facet yeah. of who he is and, and what he did to unlock that inside of me um, wow. that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise been able to tap into or had that opportunity mm-hmm. to tap into. And so, mm-hmm. so I, I begin to see it a little bit differently. Now that was super difficult. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody was meant to not have a whole family, you know, by yeah. any means. I think yeah. God's Design is for all of us to have a whole family, and yet we live in a broken world. And and so while it was helpful and good, I still felt that void and still felt some of those feelings of, man, God, you're going to really have to fill this void that I am. I'm trying to play this, this, do these dual dual roles in Weston's life. And I also feel like I have this gaping hole in my life. So how do you fill those for me where I'm falling short? Yeah. And yeah. it was just a continual reminder of of being of falling short in those situations. You know, we mm. we actually during during the time I was pastoring Resonate Church, we got the whole band together and um, you know some musicians and stuff, and we wrote an album. Um, it's still on, on iTunes and all of that. We wrote an album. Amazing, Davy. Yeah, you it, just told me this, and I'm still blown away by it. This it is It was a very cool experience. It was part of us kind of going on the quote unquote offense in our grief, where we decided to do mm. a, a live worship recording of some songs that we wrote, and the whole album's written kind of in the what what I felt like was the story arc of grief, or at least my journey. And wow. some of those places and moments of surrender where you just go, God, I, I, all I can do is surrender in this situation. And so there is one song there that becomes kind of the culmination of that surrender. And it's called Be That For Me. And the whole idea is, God, I don't know how, um, mm. you know, I, I, I couldn't reconcile how God was going to, he says that he can be everything that I need and fill every, mm. every void. Well, the void that I was feeling was my wife. So how do you... Jesus, how do you be a wife for me? <laughs> right? Like how does right, I don't understand right. that. And so that was a that was a very, very um sanctifying journey. But that's mm-hmm. kind of the culmination of that as we all put our heads together and started thinking about how could we craft this into uh, a musical piece, a worship piece that people could sing along with. And that's what came out of that was that song Be That For Me.
Oh, that's so powerful, Davey. I, I, I feel like, too, one of the things that we've talked about with this widowhood series is that, of course, it is specifically about the pain of losing a spouse, but um, there are some principles that anyone who is hurting can can learn from. And that feels like one of them. Be that for me. Like yeah. I'm just thinking of all the places that I go or reach for or try to like put myself at some table yeah. of what, you know, what I like make a place for myself at that table. What if instead I just let go and said, Jesus, you be that for me. Yeah. Like I, I think that's really for anyone who's in pain or insecurity or I don't know anything you're wrestling with. I right. feel like that prayer right there is a right. very, very healthy, holy prayer. Instead of making this other thing the thing, Jesus, you be that for me. Yeah. But especially in the tenderness of loss. I I love that. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Absolutely. Well, we know that so many of you guys are experiencing loss um, in your own nature, in your own right. Uh, especially as you reflect back on this year that maybe you've experienced loss this year or as you're looking forward to next year and you're trying to figure out what... Um, how am I going to move forward in this? How am I going to continue to wake up every single day? We want to help you with that. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. We've got a lot of exciting things happening in, uh, 2022. Aubrey, we'll talk more about this next uh, episode, but we have a uh, kind of a relaunch of our community and membership platform that is taking place at the beginning of 2022 that I'm super excited for you guys to be a part of. So you're going to want to make sure that you are, on the lookout for that, if you're a part of our email list, if you're not, go subscribe to that because we will have a bunch of information coming out about that, and we'll share some more about it on the next couple of episodes as well. But uh, you can go to nothingiswasted.com and find all the resources that we have available to you, Pain to Purpose course, Coaching with a Certified Coach, um, or you know any of the other ways, our new community platform that we're relaunching, That any of the other ways that we want to provide for you. Um, and help you and walk beside you as you're partnering with God to take back your story. Um, we also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. And you can go and follow us on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn and you can follow Aubrey at Samp. Davey, that clip that we played earlier from the song, Be That For Me, where can our listeners get a hold of that and listen themselves? Yeah, you can listen to it on Apple Music, on Spotify, really anywhere that you know you can download or stream music. Uh, but it's called Ever With Me is the album, Ever With Me, and it's from Resonate Worship. Um, and so Ever With Me is the album, Be That For Me is the name of the song. There's a lot of other really great songs in there. My favorite one is Faithful To The End. That's my absolute favorite song on the album. But the album's called Ever With Me. All right, that sounds awesome. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip for next week of your conversation with Gracie Parrish. When my husband, Zach, when he said, I want to go into law enforcement, this was rocking my boat. And I wasn't afraid of him dying. I was That was not what I was afraid of. It was, whoa, like you're going to take away this American dream that I've grown mm. up with, that I'm used to. How dare you? And I remember looking at him. Um, this was back in early 2013. And I remember looking at him and saying, yelling at him, so angry. Like, how mm. dare you rock our world right now? I am hormonal. I am eight weeks <laughs> pregnant. And he said, um, I looked at him. And he just sat there and took it. Mm. I looked at him and I said, but what happens if you're 29 years old with two kids and you're killed? Mm. 